0: I'm Abby Mickey, and you're listening to Wheel Talk. you're listening to episode eight of wheel talk. Um, this was a particularly fun episode for me to do because it was the first episode that I've ever done with someone that I don't personally know. Uh, everyone I've interviewed so far has been former teammates, friends, uh, fellow Boulderites, but never somebody, um, who's had a very significant impact on the sport that I, I don't actually know. Um, I've emailed Christy a ton about, uh, being on teams that she has been involved in, such as HTC High Road, Specialized Lululemon, Velocio SRAM, um, and so I, I kind of knew her, but we hadn't ever spoken, so it was really cool that we got to chat, and, um, so, so yeah, so she's been, um, involved with teams, like I just mentioned, and now is retired from pro cycling, um, the pro cycling world and has started her own clothing company, uh, Velocio, which is an incredibly successful, uh, awesome, awesome, awesome women's cycling clothing. Like the best I've ever worn. Um, it's super stylish, really comfortable. Uh, I mean, I get so many compliments on my kits when I'm out riding. So, um, it was really fun to, to get to know Christy a little bit better. And, uh, anyway, here's the episode.
1: Hi, Christy.
2: Hi, Abby. How are you doing?
1: Great. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Um, So I guess uh, I'd like to start at the beginning because I actually don't know much of how you got into women's cycling um, or any of the early years. So let's let's learn about that. (laughs) Well, it was very early. It started, oh my
2: gosh, 20 years ago or more. Uh I started racing while I was at uni university and uh and when I finished university I I decided that instead of going into my teaching career, which I'd planned, that I'd just go and race in Europe. So uh so that's when it started. Nineteen ninety seven was my first
1: year in Europe. Oh awesome. Uh, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, do you think the racing was um, different then to how it is now?
2: I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, back then, my first my first year was racing with a small team in Holland. Uh, I eventually raced with a national team. And then I eventually raced with Saturn uh, the last two years, so between America and Europe. Um there wasn't that many pro teams. Or yeah. trade teams. Back then there was a there was a bigger proportion of national teams I would say. Um so it's definitely got uh a lot more professional mm-hmm. in the in the in the last you know, <laughs> a lot of years. Uh so that's a good thing, but it's I think it's it's been slow. Uh it's been it, it would be nice if it was much faster that that progression you still have you have a lot of pro teams now and still uh still some without great budgets
1: yeah um
2: which is a, a shame but it's at least the the whole scene is is becoming more more professional very I true think it's it's for sure probably faster um and you know it different tactics because you've got these teams uh that are so unified compared to before
1: that's actually interesting because yesterday in the race, there was only one national team and, and yeah, I definitely, I remember like when I first started racing, like the U S always had a team over here and, and there was other national teams and stuff, but yeah, this week, this weekend it was only Germany.
2: Yeah. And I think that's good. I mean, it's the way it should be. I mean, a national team uh, now that, now that there are uh, more trade teams, a national team should be a development team. And, uh, you know, the whole structure is is changing so that, um, there'll be that top tier of racing where, uh, there shouldn't really be any national teams. So that's the way it should go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, so you were racing and then at what point did you get into directing?
2: Uh, I never really did much directing at all. Uh, when I when I stopped cycling at the end of two thousand and two, I I went straight into working for Cycling News. Oh, cool! Uh, cycling News was then run out of Australia, and it was starting to grow. Um, and I was I was running the U.S. part of it, um, writing, trying to write as much about women's cycling as I could. But uh, write, you know, we were a small staff, uh, and then I was also selling advertising, so. I did a lot of different things within Cycling News for four years. Mm-hmm. And then uh and then I started working for High Road
1: and I wasn't uh
2: directing the team, I was managing
1: the Okay, cool. Team Which is like totally different because it's a lot of behind the scenes, like dealing with sponsor like the sponsor team negotiations and stuff like that, hiring riders, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, um the first year I didn't really have to deal with you finding sp- uh, helping to find sponsors. I was just managing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the hiring of the writers and, and, uh, logistics and everything. Cause, and then I moved into a bit of a different role at High Road where I was, uh, helping Bob with, with sponsorship and, uh, and then doing the PR and communications for the men's and the women's teams.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Um, so then when HTC High Road went away as a team, um, how did you, what was your decision process where you were like, okay, this women's team is incredible. We have some really great riders. I want to keep it going and manage to pull together Specialized Lululemon.
2: Yeah, kind of. In fact, it wasn't really, um, at the beginning, it wasn't really my decision uh, it was more the girls. I was ready to come back to Australia. I had been away for a long time, uh, and the girls. We there was it was such a great team. It was the year before the Olympics. Um, we we ended up with ten riders out of the thirteen in the Olympics the next year, and they they definitely wanted to stay together. So they asked me if we could try to try to make it happen. And in in the end, we were you know fairly lucky. Specialized came on board, and Lululemon came on board fairly quickly and we were able to uh yeah create a new team out of and keep you know keep the team together and and uh start a new program
1: so that's awesome i was actually on a bike ride with ali stalker um the day she got the call that the team would still be going on
2: all right <laughs> it, was pretty, it was a pretty exciting time
1: um you know like
2: it, it was such high road was such a great program and you know, what Bob had built and it, it, you know, the opportunity that he created for, for women in in that program was great. And it would, it was just a shame that, um, we couldn't keep, you know, the thought of not keeping it together, um, wasn't a really good one. So yeah, it became a really good program.
1: Yeah. And do you think that the, the way that the team was structured kind of set the tone for a lot of the professional teams that we're seeing now?
2: Oh, look, maybe. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it could have, but you know, the, I think in that same time, there was a lot of, a lot of people trying to work to improve women's cycling and to, to create, create new programs or to get, you know, to, to bring in more sponsors which is really the only way you can build a good program like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so it's so difficult. I mean, you're traveling all around the world. We were, we were lucky in that we were able to race in Europe. We were able to race in America. Uh, everybody was able to be paid well, and um, we were able to have a really good staff. So, uh, yeah, look, I think that there's there's more and more teams that have that are getting that kind of support now, which is which is a good thing to see.
1: Yeah. Um, so then specialized in Lululemon, well. Yeah, specialized in Lululemon, Both their contracts were up and it was a new a new team was gonna have to, you know, come together. And um Velocio was one of the title sponsors, which is your clothing company.
2: Yeah, you know, when I was uh when I was running, well, when I was working with Hyrodin, when I was running the women's team, uh, part of my job was to to get the clothing made, and to work with the manufacturers in Italy to get the clothing made. And so, uh, I became very familiar with it. And one thing that was fairly that became fairly obvious was that it was kind of exciting to have really nicely designed clothing out there, and we we ended up with a great Um, design kit from Lululemon but the Mm -hmm. thing that was was obvious is that still in women's cycling clothing there wasn't uh, a really great fit for women in terms of how the clothing fit so there wasn't a lot of uh, clothing that was really specifically designed for women to wear and it was it was something that um, that I noticed a lot along the way and it just became an idea that you know that should change. I mean, I remember when I was racing, we used to wear men's clothing at the beginning. Yeah. It, we didn't know any any different then, but, you know, you'd always have to fold over the jersey and it, it never really fit right. Um, but, you know, now nowadays I think, uh, you know, things are changing and there really should have been clothing to fit women. So that's, you know, that's what I thought – should should be next on the list of things for women, and and I also uh, was a little bit inspired by, you know, w- what we were trying to help was getting more women into into riding bikes in general, yeah. Getting more women racing, uh, and you you could see with Lululemon that them making really nice yoga clothing kind of inspired people to get into yoga and get into running, yeah. Um, because. Sure. You could put something on that fit really well. It looked really nice. It made you feel like you wanted to get out there and do it. And so, the same thought, you know, applies to cycling. If you, you, if you feel really good in what you're wearing,
1: then you are right. Yeah,
2: you're more likely to want to go and ride. You know,
1: that's so. like the motto of my <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the better I so look, like the longer rides I go on.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And look, you, you feel more comfortable because it fits yeah.
1: better
2: as well. So yeah, you for can sure. Ride for, six or seven hours and still feel comfortable
1: actually I have a funny kind of anecdote my mom when she like first started riding a bike which was like years before I was born she was making her own clothing (laughs) like she would buy like a men's men's pair of shorts and take the chamois out and then sew her own like shorts with the chamois in it because the men's just wouldn't fit her
2: all right yeah that's great
1: (laughs) yeah hilarious I remember her telling me that story a while ago pretty industrious yeah (laughs) because she was just like these are ridiculous they don't fit me and I'm sure the chamois wasn't very comfortable like regardless but um but yeah she she wanted to ride and she wanted to like actually have her clothing fit so she was just making her own (laughs)
2: look it makes it
1: makes a huge difference I mean if things if, if you feel good and it fits and it it's a much better ride so And did you have to start really small with the company? And then, um, do you have like a, like a, did you start with like a five-year plan or how did, how did it come about?
2: We started really small. Uh, we were tiny. We're, you know, we're a definite startup and, um, you know, the idea was, we knew that it was going to take a while. Uh, and it's, you know, we're still only just into our fourth year, so Mm -hmm. we're not
1: a big company. That's crazy, actually, because I feel like, man, <laughs> I feel like it's it's just like so uh, it's I feel like it's been longer than that. Like people know the the brand name and people like there are people who only wear like your clothing and but it's only been four well, years.
2: That's that's good to hear, actually. Yeah, <laughs> no, we Well,
1: it might be like me and my roommate, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that's enough start with yeah and then it builds repair, you know if you tell people and that and I think that that's what has to happen when you're uh when you we start you start something like this I mean you start you start very small and it's really important that it's good so that people you know start spreading the word between the you know amongst friends and and that's a, a big part of how you have to grow in the beginning so yeah but and, you know we we're also lucky to have the team and uh the women wearing it for for a year and uh, you know, between the, between us that, you know, started Veloceo, we, we've been in the cycling industry for a while and, uh, we were lucky to have good contacts and good media relations and things like that. So,
1: yeah. yes, And I guess with like that many girls wearing the kit, you got some really good input on like anything that needed to be altered or like what was, what was do- going right and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, for sure. And we also had to work very quickly. Brad uh does the designing and he, he worked really quickly to, to build that collection because you can't just start small when you're when you're building a collection for a team because they need clothing for you know, every different season.
1: Yeah. Plus like skin uh, so suits and race suits. Yeah, and, yeah.
2: Everything winter clothing and booties and gloves and and everything. So it was uh the first year was definitely uh, <laughs> a lot of work that went into that. So
1: Cool. And now you're, um, now you're not dealing with the team anymore and you're just focusing on the clothing. Uh-huh. Um, and how do you think it's going?
2: Oh, it's good. It's, you know, um, I was, I was working in women's cycling and racing for such a long time. Um, that, you know, it, it it was kind of time for me to s- step back from that and then just concentrate on one thing. and the, And the brand is really exciting and it's fun and creating something that that people, you know, creating a brand that people like and and you know, hearing the feedback along the way. and It's not an easy thing to do, um, but it's it's definitely a challenge. and uh, I think that you know, so far so good. I, I'm really enjoying it. So
1: awesome. And um, do you guys do like Uh, custom clothing for teams and stuff or are you mostly just a lifestyle lifestyle type company
2: yeah we're mostly lifestyle uh we do do some custom but uh that's not our focus Um, yeah you know it's there's a lot of custom brands out there who specifically do custom our focus is um is you know the lifestyle and the um the inline collection and and we we like to do fun projects when they come along in terms of custom, but, uh, the, yeah, for sure, for sure. Our focus is the, the main collection.
1: Nice. Do you think, um, do you think your market right now is mostly in the U S or Australia? Or where do you think the biggest market is for you? Yeah, it's,
2: de- it's definitely in the U S and we started the, we started the company in the U S and, um, it's still, it's still our biggest market. Australia is growing. Australia is a great market for, for cycling clothing. People are, pretty fanatical about how how they dress on the bike here too so uh but there's a lot of there's a lot of Australian young Australian brands here as well so but we're we're really growing here as, as well and that's that's really good to see um so and then now outside of that we 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 sell in Europe and we sell in Asia so
1: cool uh but
2: definitely the US is the biggest market for us
1: yeah um so the next big thing in cycling, it seems, is like the Grand Fondo kind of circuits. Um, what do you think about that? I think it's
2: fantastic. I mean, you know, if you think back to when you started cycling, I mean, cycling was, you know, racing is really fun and you either love it or you don't. But just being on the bike and that whole social aspect of cycling is is the thing that kind of, you know, gets you addicted to cycling in the first place, and at grand fondos they they're they're an adventure they are something you do you can either do to kind of you know as a personal goal or you can do socially and it's 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 a lot of fun and the same with the new kind of gravel scene
1: oh um, yeah true as
2: well, so I think that and and in the end it's like that's what brings more people onto bikes i mean the racing is you know the pinnacle of you know athletic performance for cycling but i think that the beauty of cycling is is the ride and and the social part of it along the way so um I, I it's kind of exciting that those things are taking off because more and more people are getting into riding their bikes and not necessarily feeling like they have to be a bike racer to to be you know to to be a, a into bikes bike rider
1: and, yeah mm. actually it's crazy like and there's <clears throat> there's definitely some people who, um, who ride their bikes like every day and have no idea what's going on with racing. Like they don't follow racing at all. They just ride. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And I can, in, in some ways I can understand that. I mean, it's just a great social, uh, activity and, uh, you know, keeps you fit. And then there's something about being on the road and, uh, that's just a beautiful thing. It's a great sport, whether you race or you don't race.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, I guess, skiing. If In skiing, there's, like, uh, you know, tons of people who ski but don't have a clue that ski racing is a thing. Well, they know yeah, it's a yeah. thing, but they don't follow it. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And nice. I
2: also think that, you know, like, there is a certain percentage of those people who who ride for fun that, that eventually end up watching bike racing, and that's good for bike racing as well. You know, the more mm-hmm. people you have out there on bikes – uh, the better it is for the sport of cycling in, in the long run. So it's a great thing to see that, um, leisure cycling is really
1: growing. And especially women, like there's so many more women on bikes these days. I, I will ride around Boulder and I'll be out on like a four hour ride in the flats and I will see twice as many women as men.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. And I think that, uh,
1: you know, I think we we've seen
2: that we've seen that in a lot of different things. We saw it in running and marathons and uh and you know, we, now we're seeing it in cycling and I came back to Australia and when I used to train here 20 years ago, there was there wasn't many women at all and now it's the same with you, like it's, you know, there's a lot of women and it's great. It's really it's really cool to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, do you think that at any time in the future you'll you'll go back to any kind of racing thing, or are you pretty much set on the? Do you think that was one part of your life, and now you're on to the next?
2: Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think so. I think um, uh, I think I'm ready to. I was ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still follow it. I'm still very interested. I'd still uh, I still. I'm pretty passionate about it, and hope that it continues to grow. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, yeah, I, I think um, for the moment, anyway, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. So
1: awesome. Um, yeah. Just for like all the 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 hopeful racers who are listening to this, um, when you were managing and you were hiring people, what do you think was the the worst thing that somebody could do? if they wanted to get hired?
2: <laughs> well, I think it's different for every, every team and it depends on who's, who's hiring. But for me, the the most important thing was listening to the reaction to, you know, how they were. The chemistry was the most important thing for a te- for any team. So if you, you know, I always ask questions about teamwork and how, what they thought about that and what their personal goals were and, and tried to figure out if their personal goals were, you know, so much more important than the team goals than that. That wasn't really what I was looking for. Um, so that for me, that was a very important thing very early in the conversation. Um, but I guess it depends on the, on the team and the and who's hiring and who the director is. But for sure, uh, I think it's important that that you don't tell them that you're not interested in working for someone else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to win all the races myself,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think that goes down well with most with most teams. I mean, in the end, you're trying to put together a team that can win. And now that cycling's become, you know, more professional for women, then it's important. You can't really win on your own. Uh, I mean, you can, but it's uh, rare. <laughs> it's it's rare, and it's 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 more and more rare that you can win on your own you need your team behind you everybody knows that the best bike races in the world will tell you
1: yeah and I mean we saw like Bulls Dolmans last year they were hands down the most dominant team and basically every single rider on that team won once yeah um, that's
2: right and I think that's the way it, it should be and I think uh, a good team in a good team that's what happens
1: yeah so. but yeah teamwork is huge I mean like you can't yeah, you can't, the, the, what, what I think like for teamwork, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, um, off the bike is like the most important part. I feel like how, how everybody gels off the bike, because if you're like, if everybody is making dinner separately and sitting, sitting at different places, like in the host house separately, like that's not really, that's kind of a sign that you're not going to work well together on the bike. Um, Feel like maybe a good way to figure out if a team will work together well is just like throw them into a room and be like okay guys do something
2: yeah it, <laughs> yeah it can and, and look I think it's that's that's a big part of it is building that chemistry off the bike but also you know uh everybody's a little different and um uh, you know some people are introverted but they the, it still doesn't mean they can't be a really good team player and if very they're, true if yeah. they're professional so it's all just about figuring out what's You know what makes a person tick, and and you know which in which way they'll fit into a team. I mean, the good the great thing about cycling is that it takes all different types of personalities, all different types of physical strengths and mental strengths. So, uh, you know, just trying to fit it all together, I think is is really a fun part of you know uh, being a director uh, or or a manager.
1: Yeah. I guess you had a lot of people trying to get on the team, also.
2: Yeah, we were lucky. We 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 had a lot of interest, uh, and so we we ended up um, being able to have you know a, a choice of who we wanted to be on the team in a lot of cases. Um, but we didn't always choose like all the you know the top ten riders in the world. It wasn't it wasn't uh, how I felt we we should build the team you, you kind of need a little bit of everything to make
1: it work so mm-hmm. yeah true and um when you were building a team what was the ratio for like you know gc riders sprinters climbers domestiques what kind of ratio did you go for
2: uh you know I'd, i think it just depended uh, on the year what races we were going to be doing mm-hmm um you always need one of each. <laughs> you always need to make sure you have a really good sprinter. Yeah, that's um, very true. Or two. Uh, you need to make sure you have someone good in the mountains, and then someone who's also there to help them in the mountains, and vice versa. And then in, in between that, you need you need smart tacticians as well. So you just got to make sure that across the board you've got a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And then and then the, and then the other important thing is to make sure you have that person that does it has the personality personality to kind of gel those, that group together. Yeah. And also definitely no one who has the ability to split it all
1: apart. <laughs> so uh,
2: that's the trick in the end, I think.
1: Nice. Awesome. Um, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no,
2: I just, uh, you know, it's interesting being on the outside for for the first time in a while and watching watching the sport and uh it's it's so weird because it all just comes so quickly all of a sudden you're in the spring classics and yeah I feel like I, <laughs> it all happens so quickly again but it's good to to see uh slowly I wish I wish that it, it was growing more quickly
1: yeah uh, although I think that slow. if it grows too quickly it's like it might fail so maybe the yeah, slow really- build-up means it'll last <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe that's very that's a good way of looking at it. And yeah. Let's hope that that's uh that's let's, let's hope that's true.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. Um good luck and yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thank you and good luck with your racing. Thanks. Thanks.
1: I'll be watching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to wheel Talk the Podcast. If you liked it, please leave a review on iTunes. If you didn't like it, please reach out to me and let me know how I can improve. You can find me on Twitter at the WT underscore podcast or on my own personal Twitter at Abby Mickey. I'm also on Facebook. We'll talk the podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure recording these podcasts for you and I'll play you out with Blue Sky by the Allman Brothers.